All right. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's really sweet, guys, to be here tonight. And what I want to do is I just want to set the stage. This is going to be less of a sermon, just so you know, tonight. Um, every other men's ministry night is going to be much more of a so- sermon-oriented night. But tonight, in particular, what I want to do is it's a little more topical, and it's, it's a little bit more for me, and I think for you, hopefully, about vision casting. I want you to have a sense of who we are as men, what we're after, and how we're going to get there. So my goal... I'm just going to set it right out there for us tonight. My goal is to unashamedly call you and myself to a more robust theology and practice of biblical masculinity. Let me say that again. My goal is to unashamedly call you and myself to a more robust theology and practice of biblical masculinity. That's why we are here. That is essentially the goal of our men's ministry And so I want to anchor our thoughts in some texts tonight. Um, We always open the Word of God, so even if it's just a little bit more of a pastoral vision casting night, we are going to the Word of God. That is our source of authority. That is our anchor. So I want you to just turn in your Bibles to a familiar passage, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm going to move us around in God's Word a little bit tonight, touch on a couple of passages, but 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's interesting as Paul ends this letter to the Corinthians, one of the things he says has a more than subtle hint towards this concept of biblical masculinity. Paul says in verse 13 of chapter 16, he says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Catch these words act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. This one simple statement, act like men, tells us something I think very important. It tells us that there is a biblical perspective on masculinity. There is here an underlying assumption of what it means to act like a man. There are things inherent, biblically speaking, to being a man or acting like a man, and they are things here that Paul, by the Spirit of God, is calling these men to in Corinth. There are certain qualities and characteristics that are distinctively masculine. We understand this. They're not culturally driven, but they are biblically driven. Now, let me just say at the gates that I am not opposed to some cultural aspects of masculinity, okay? Um, I am all about eating meat. I think that is manly, okay? Tools, manly, even though I suck at using them. Sports, yes, right? But... I am more concerned about what Scripture teaches, and I hope you are too, about what it means to be a man. The kind of masculinity we are looking for at Harvest Bible Chapel Durham is what the Bible describes. There is one predominant picture of masculinity in the Scripture, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the epitome of masculinity. So Christ-likeness is one of the characteristics and qualities of biblical masculinity. The fruit of the Spirit To be a a biblical man is to be lovers and defenders of the truth, sound doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to be courageous. It is to be strong. It is to be a humble servant leader. It is to to have a, a deep spiritual dependence upon the Spirit of God. These things and so much more classify biblical masculinity. 
So as we consider some of these things tonight, I want to just frame our discussion around a few different points. I want us to get a good sense of what we're doing here and what what, uh, men's ministry looks like at Harvest Bible Chapel Durham. And so uh, let me begin by simply uh, saying this. I want to answer this question or make this statement, what it is. When I say that, I mean Harvest Durham's men's ministry. What it is, and and there's one word maybe I could use, and that is this. The, The goal is to be helpful. That's what it is in one sense. It's helpful. And I want to break this down into three buckets. What exactly are we implying when we say it's going to be helpful for you? Because you need to understand that is our desire for you as men. We want to be helpful to you as the the church. We want to serve you and come alongside you. And I think there are three specific ways that I can define what it means for us to be helpful to you. And I want to use three words. The first one is this, fellowship. Fellowship. And um, I think the scripture is very clear that all Christians are called into fellowship with one another, and it is something that uh, we long for as uh, human beings, and in particular, it's something that men often struggle with. Um, I just want to make it clear, too, that we are all about having fun in men's ministry. We, we don't take ourselves too seriously. This is a place where we can come and have good conversations. But one of the things we want, to, we want to do is we want to practice true biblical fellowship, meaning this. We don't want to be fully consumed with the superficial. Right? How often are our conversations with one another staying in the realm of superficial? of things that are not bad, but things that are certainly not best. We talk about sports, and we talk about how our day was, and we talk about work, things that are valuable, and they have their place. But our goal is to provide a rich understanding of biblical fellowship. And if I could define it for you, I would say that biblical fellowship is this. It is intentional, Christ-centered interaction. Let me say that again. Biblical fellowship is intentional, Christ-centered interaction. It is interaction that is not only brought together because of our common bond in Jesus Christ, it is actually focused on and concerned about glorifying Jesus Christ. It is concerned about the well-being of others, not just physically, but spiritually. We are after, if I can say it like this, meaningful Christian relationships in the body of Christ. There are far too many ministries and churches that exist only on superficial relationships, and it has always been our desire in the life of our church, and it is the desire of our ministry for men here at our church to have deep, meaningful, Christ-centered relationships and interactions with one another. The second aspect to what should be helpful for you is this, friendship. And you can see kind of a, a funneling approach here to my thinking. We start with this fellowship where we get to come together like this and we get to rub shoulders with one another. We get to have fun and we get to hear a little bit about who we are. But beyond just broadly speaking fellowship, our desire is to forge and to build deep and meaningful friendships. We, we long for that. As much as you know, men are often perfectly fine to be by ourselves and to isolate ourselves, right? the Bible actually says that that is a very dangerous thing in the Christian life. In fact, a Proverbs tells us in uh, chapter 18, verse 1, that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You see, you and I were made to be in relationship not only with God, but by the grace of God with one another. I look around this room and I see a lot of faces of guys that, man, I'm so thankful for. 
guys that I have got to know and grow in relationship and deep friendships with. And I can just tell you right now that I, as I look across this room, that you guys are a group of men that I want to do life with and that I, I want to storm the gates of hell together with. I want to link arms with and I want to get after the things of the Lord with. I'm not content to just simply live on an island. I'm content in being with you and developing these deep, meaningful relationships. I want to see Jesus' kingdom advancing. I want us as men, as we grow in friendships with one another, to be a force to be reckoned with and to push back the gates of hell. I love the the pictures of brothers in arms, Navy SEALs, these kind of images uh, being in the military, there's always been a sense in my mind, a brothership, a camaraderie, a linking of arms. You, you see the, 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 the friendships that develop in these kind of atmospheres. The Proverbs also speaks a lot about friendship. And it says this, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I, just, I love that imagery. Proverbs is a book filled with wisdom. And one of the things it wants to teach us is this, is that what we need in this life are deep, meaningful friendships. And in the picture, by the way, there's a contrast here. A man of many companions who comes to ruin, that, you know, there's a general principle that's really helpful. The guy who tends to have a lot of friends really has very few friends. The guy who's known by everybody really has very few deep and meaningful relationships. But one of the things that the Bible advocates is this. Be careful not to spread yourself too thin and just try to be a superficial friend with everybody and work hard at finding those you can dig deep in with and grow together with. Those who will stick by you through the ups and the downs, through the good times and the hard times, a a, a true friend Right, who will speak truth in the moment where you desperately need to hear it. That's what we want to be with one another. A friend that brings comfort and encouragement in the time of need. One of the things as, as I was kind of thinking through this a little bit, I was thinking through uh, the picture in 1 Samuel of, of uh, David and Jonathan. It's one of the, the most amazing stories of biblical friendship. If you want a, a clinic on biblical friendship, all you have to do is turn to the first Samuel, and, and you can read the story of David and Jonathan. It's, it's such a fascinating story, but I just want to read to you a, a passage that, at, like, at first we hear it, and it sounds a little odd, but I want, to just, I want to just sit in it for a moment. Chapter 20, verse 17, here's what it says. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. This is a, that's a powerful statement. And I just, I just want you to see, you know, the kind of friendship these guys had was not a friendship um, that was worldly. It was a friendship that was driven by the glory of God. These men longed to see God's name lifted high. They longed to see the kingdom of God advance, even at the expense of themselves, right? Jonathan willing to give up the kingdom that he ought to have inherited so David could be called by God to do the work of God. It's a, such a sweet picture of biblical friendship, and that's what I hope we're after here. The third thing, fellowship, friendship, and here's the other aspect here. What, what should be helpful for you is discipleship. Discipleship. This is just a normal part of the Christian life, but it's something that we struggle with so often. We saw this in the summertime, but Paul writing to his young disciple, Timothy, says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Every one of us is called to be a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us is called to participate in disciple-making. It's part of the Great Commission. And so I want to encourage you that our goal here is to be a, a platform and a funnel for discipleship where guys can grow in fellowship and in friendship, and hopefully through that they can begin discipleship relationships where we are learning from one another. We're pouring the word of God into one another. We're praying for one another. We're modeling what it looks like to be a faithful husband, father, servant, leader, worker, you name it. And I want to encourage you just from the word of God here, every one of us needs to exhibit certain characteristics if we're going to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. We need to be those who are faithful, available, and teachable. The fat test, right? You heard of the fat test? right? Be faithful, available, and teachable. And here, that's what we see really flowing out of this text. Be a faithful man. Commit to following Jesus. Commit to being around one another. Be available. I mean, be present when you can. I'm going to encourage you this year. Sacrifice much to be at things like this so you can reap the benefits of being around other godly men. Be willing to give up things in your life so that you can make things like this a priority and believing and anticipating that God is going to bless you for it. Be teachable. This is one of the greatest qualities. I love to be about what God blesses even though I struggle to be, personally. And one of the things I long to be more of is humble, teachable. God says that he will bless the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Let us strive to be humble men with one another, looking, listen, to, to those around us and saying, I can learn from you, I can learn from you, I want to learn from you. What do you have for me? But on the other side of that, be a man who is looking for those to pour into I get this constantly in the life of our church. I'm looking for someone to disciple me. Do you know anybody that could disciple me? And I just, men, listen, there is a shortage in the church of men who can disciple other men. I mean the church broadly. I, I think many of you are doing there's a phenomenal job of this, and I'm so blessed um, to be a part of what God is doing in your lives, and, and I've reaped the benefits of my relationship with you men, but there is a shortage of men who are making disciples. God's plan for men is to make disciples. The first men he gathered, the first men he scattered, the great commission is to go and make disciples. This ministry here, I want you to see this. I hope you see this. It's a means to an end, right? We've, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I just think it bears repeating and emphasizing. This is not an end to itself. This is a great time, but you have to see this for what it is. This is a... a pipeline that is intended to funnel you towards greater godliness and growth in Christ-likeness to make you into a disciple-making disciple and someone who therefore is bringing more and more glory to God. That's what we're all about. That's what we're after. So I, I hope that that helps you. What is it? Helpful. That's, that's what it is. And the second piece is this why it is. I always think it's so important to get to the why of what we do. And here's the one word I would give you this morning, needful. Why it is. Needful. Needful. And I just want to give you four quick categories for this. The first is this, you need it. You need it. That's why we're doing this. You need it. I need it. The goal here is increased growth. The goal here is increased opportunities. The goal, therefore, is increased usefulness and, as a result, increased joy in the Lord. I love Proverbs 27, 17. Anybody got that one? Come on, that's an easy one. Bible drill, I don't know, sword drill? 
Proverbs 17, 17, as iron, come on, you know it, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Like, you get this picture here? There is a need to be around other men, okay? And I, I believe this. Your wife is awesome. I'm sure she is. But let's be honest right now, guys. I mean, aren't there times when you're looking at your wife and she's talking about stuff, you're just going like, I just, I can't compute. I think my hard drive is broken. You need to go find another woman and talk to her about this stuff. Right? Amen? All right, because that's, right? Listen, we need other men in our lives who can look us in the eye and say, I'm going to sharpen. You got some rough edges that need to be sanded down, sharpened up. I love just in conjunction with this, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Listen to what it says. This is this picture of men sharpening, iron sharpening iron. It says this, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. You see what it's saying? You want to be wise? I hope that's your goal. I hope you want to be a wise man. Well, a wise man says, you know what? If the edge is dull, it's going to require more strength and it's going to take more out of me. You know the whole phrase, work smarter, not harder? That's in the Bible. Paraphrased. Don't work harder, work smarter. Be wise. Get the edge sharpened so it doesn't require as much effort and energy, so to speak, on your part. So you can be a more effective tool in the hands of God. That's what we want to do. You need it. I need it. We need to be sharpened. And all of, all of this is going to lead to increased joy in the Lord if we are being sharpened and useful in his hands. Here's the second piece of this. You need it. Um, flowing out of that, your family or your family-to-be, if you're single, needs it. They need you to be a godly man. Your future spouse, if you're single in here, needs you to be a godly man. Your kids, whether you have them now or they're to come, they need you to be a godly father. They desperately need it. So while you are reaping the personal benefits of godliness and growth in your life, you need to see this. The overflow of that will pour into the lives of your family and those closest to you, those that God has given you responsibility as a man to lead and shepherd and disciple. Man, you think about this for a second. How are you supposed to, as Ephesians chapter 5 says, wash your wife with the water of the word if you yourself do not know the word, study the word, or live the word? You can't. Otherwise, your hypocrisy will repel her rather than win her. You will harden her rather than by the Spirit of God and the grace of God, transform her. We need strong spiritual leadership in a cultural melu that is godless and God-hating. Your family needs to see this. Your kids, they desperately need to see a man who is pursuing the Lord, loving their mom like Jesus loved the church of Jesus Christ. They desperately need a father who's going to sit down with them and open up the word of God and be able to handle the word of God and walk them through the complex issues of life that they're going to face. And they don't need, here's what they don't need, they don't need superficial pat answers or they don't need a father who's going to look and go, well, you know what, son, I really don't know the word of God, so I can't help you. 
God forbid, right? And yet, let me just give you some encouragement because I know some of you feel like you're already in that place today, but can I give you hope? That's what our goal is together. We're going to move, hopefully, by the grace of God, from a place of maybe spiritual immaturity or weakness to a hopefully a more robust spiritual maturity where we are going to be used in the primary place that God has put us, in our home. The home is a microcosm of the church. That's why to be an elder in the church... One of the qualifications is that you must rule your home well. You must manage your household well. You've got to be able to go into somebody's house and say, how are they shepherding their family? Because if they can't shepherd their own family, how are they going to shepherd the family of God? Right? Men, aspire. Aspire to be a man who if somebody walked into your home and said, I want to see what it looks like to love my wife. I want to see what it looks like to shepherd my kids. Aspire to be a man who can say with confidence before the Lord, I'm not doing it perfectly, but come and see what God is doing through me and in me. Okay, you need it. Your family needs it. Your church needs it. Your church needs it. Sadly, you know, one of the statistics that is repeated over and over again is that women are far more likely to attend church than men. Women are far more likely to be actively engaged in the church than men. They're tends to be a vacuum in male leadership in the body of Christ. A neglect of the God-given role that men have been called to to lead the church. And as you think of this, I just want to suggest to you something. Where men don't step up and lead in the church, here's what I believe happens. The church becomes effeminate. It becomes delicate. And it becomes inadequate. That's not to diminish women. Believe me, women have a primary role to play in the church. But I want you to see what happens when men don't step up and play the role that God has given them to play. The church becomes effeminate. It becomes catered to women. It becomes a softer place. And listen, there's an aspect of femininity that, that is, is great and we need to embrace even in the life of the church. But it becomes a place where women then perpetuate women leading and men stepping back. It becomes delicate and that it becomes fragile and weak easily broken because the pieces that God wants to put in place, the strength and the fortitude that men can provide and that God has called and equipped men to provide in the life of the church are missing and therefore the church becomes inadequate. It is missing those crucial God-given pieces to the ecclesiastical puzzle, the way that God has designed the church to function, vibrant, full. The church is called to be the pillar and buttress of the truth. And the church can't be all that God is calling it to be without men stepping up. So my hope and prayer is this, men, as you grow individually, as you grow in leading your family, you're also going to grow in terms of how you're being used in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. Lastly, your community needs it. Your neighbor needs it. The world needs it. The world needs to see godly men who are not going to capitulate and cave to the compromises of the world. They need to see men who are living their faith out fully, courageously, Lights shining brightly in the darkness for Jesus Christ, living on mission, living out the Great Commission. All right, that's, that's why it is, and I hope that that is enough encouragement already. And so let me just say how it is, and here's the word I want to stick into your mind, intentional. How are we going to do this? And this is a little bit more practical. I want to present to you a little bit of a paradigm shift. Really, it's not that much of a shift. It's simply um, emphasizing what's already happening in the life of our church and encouraging what's already happening. The first thing we're going to do as we meet together as men this year is, Matt has already mentioned this, that we're going to be meeting regularly or semi-regularly. Um, I believe it's, it's six times 
six times for, the, for the, the, this course of the ministry calendar year. Like this, it is going to be incredibly intentional. It is going to be, our goal is to make it worth your while. We want you to show up and feel like you are, and know that you are being fed. You're being nourished in the word of God. And you're getting to worship the Lord with brothers. You're getting to, to get on your face with brothers and cry out to the Lord and pray and ask God to do great things. We want you walking away from these nights saying, man, it, that was worth my time. That was so worth my time. And so you just need to know that up front. We're setting the bar high on these nights so that when you come, you just need to know we want to meet that bar and exceed that bar. And we want to walk out of here so richly blessed because we have met with the Lord in a powerful way. That is our primary goal. These meetings are going to be like rally points. That's how I want you to think of them. They're going to be like a, a reorientation um, if I can use three words, the rally points to reorient, to reunify, and to recharge. I like alliteration, okay? That's how I think. Reorient us, right? Every couple of months, we get together and, and as a group, a large group, and we say, okay, let's make sure we're, we're lined up and we're heading forward. We're on the same mission. You know, we're tightening things up together. We're moving forward. Like a military, right? You know, a, a large muster where all the platoons get rallied together. The mission is given. The charge is given. And then we break. The unity piece is so key. We need to be a unified group. And the recharging, it's supposed to refresh us and to send us out fired up for the things of the Lord and, and getting after the task. We're so easily distracted. So it's also just as you see it um, as a rally point, it's a way to integrate new people. There's a lot of new faces out here. And people are coming into the church all the time. How do they get plugged in? How do they build these relationships and get into fellowship with other men? This is an on-ramp for people who are new to the church to come in and say, hey, we want you to be a part of this. We, we're, we're thinking of you. And so we want to encourage you. Invite people out. Invite men you know who are interested in the things of faith or longing, if they're Christians already, to grow and to understand more and more of God's word. We're going to have high expectations. We're going to be in the word. We're going to have time of worship. We're going to have time of breakout discussion, very intentionally planned. We're going to have time of breakout prayer. There's going to be fellowship, and every once in a while there's going to be bacon. It's not bad. Here's the other aspect that's really a bit of the paradigm shift in some senses. There's the formal, the large-scale gatherings, less frequently on a Sunday night, which I'm very thankful for. The other aspect is going to be informal and more organic. And for some of you, this is a paradigm shift. For others, we're just really kind of putting a framework around what already exists in the life of our church. You can think of it as men's small groups that are meeting regularly all across the Durham region. You see, we already have this happening. We have men meeting all over the place every week, studying systematic theology, studying theological books, studying practical Christian living, studying on how to be a godly husband, studying on spiritual disciplines, studying on finances. I mean, you name it. We have things going on. And one of the things we want you to know is that we think that's awesome. That's what should be happening in a healthy, vibrant church. There should be, uh, yes, structure, but an organic desire to continue to grow and to flourish and be with one another and continue to sharpen one another. And we just want, we're so thankful that's happening. Now, I just want to make it clear, this isn't mandatory to be in one of these groups. It's, it's totally optional if you really want to be blessed. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's, it's not mandatory, and there are seasons of life, but one of the things we want to encourage you to do is to be in these small... Now some of this is happening naturally out of your small groups. You know, the men are already meeting on separate mornings and studying something, just as the women are. 
This is just a, an organic form of discipleship. And so we just want to say, keep going with this. Or, or if you have a passion for something that you want to study, you're sitting here going like, man, I've been wanting to, to get a group of guys together and study through a book about how to love my wife, how to be a godly husband, how to, you know, a certain aspect. Do it. That's what we're saying. Do it. Grab men. Talk about it with men. Let this be a time, a night where you can do that with one another. Find men who are already doing it. And men, what I want to encourage you to do, if at all possible, is all, you know, some of the groups can't get too big, but have open arms. Be willing, if you're already in a group or leading a group, to say, hey, let's get more guys in here. There's more guys who want, who want to grow, who need to grow, and we want to be that kind of a church who just embraces people into this kind of organic discipleship. So I would just simply say, as maybe the Lord is putting some things on your heart, the ball's in your court in this arena. We're not going to organize this. We just simply want to get behind you and say we're encouraged and we want to encourage you. Keep going. Let's go. Let's do this. If you need to know resources, if you want to figure out what might be most beneficial, we want to be here for you. In fact, the only thing we would ask of you is this. If you're starting a study, um, we just simply ask you to run the material by the elders just to let us know what you're doing. Um, simply for the sake of you know, God has called us as elders in the church to protect sound doctrine. That's one of the primary roles God has given us in the church. And there's a lot of things out there that are not healthy and beneficial for you that you may not even know. And so we just feel the responsibility and the weight of being able to come alongside you and say, listen, we need to warn you. We, need, we want to care for you. Or just simply thumbs up. That's awesome. Or can we suggest something that would be better in this area for you? That's all we're asking. We believe this is a sign of great health in the church when these kind of things are happening. So... Man, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're praying that by God's grace, this will be our most fruitful year yet. I'm praying for that for me personally. I'm praying that for you individually. May this be a year where you grow in your theology and your practice of biblical masculinity like you never have before. And may those around you, including your family, the church, and the world be blessed because of it. That's our desire.